0: Okay, we are here with podcast number two, number two. Oh my god, I'm so freaking out. Um, my name is Jeremy Cortez. I am here with CEO Parent, and today my guest is Mr. Ryan Meyer, Mr. Meyer. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, where are you from? What you do? What your current business is? How many kids you got? <laughs>
1: uh, well, my name is Ryan Meyer. Um, I live in Alameda, California. I actually grew up here. I was born in Walnut Creek, but grew up in Alameda. Um, I am currently a fitness professional, health coach, uh, nutritionist. I'm in the, um, the health industry. I, I feel like I kind of do it all, you know? Uh, and I spent many years beforehand in the nightlife industry. And before that, I uh, was owner of a tattoo shop. So I have worked for myself for many, many, many years. I have three kids from three different women who are all adults now. Uh, So my 20s were tough. (laughs) My 40s are a lot more chill. (laughs) Uh, I'm 42 years old, by the way.
0: Happy birthday. Yesterday was your birthday. Happy birthday.
1: Uh, Oh, thanks, man.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Okay, and um, so I, I have to share a quick story. The first time I met Ryan... I was a little terrified, intimidated of the guy covered. And so for all the people who are listening and who can't view the, the video, here walks in this man who's covered in tattoos, who can break me with a pinky. And he is the nicest guy I have ever met in my entire life. <laughs> um, you are so humble. You are so grounded. You are so loving and just generous. I, I want to, I want to be you when I grow up. I'll just tell you that
1: much. That's really nice of you to say. Thank you.
0: (laughs) And, you know, I was just thinking, it's like how talking about parents and entrepreneurship, again, my mission here is to connect with other parents who took the red pill and realized that entrepreneurship is is an avenue for success. Like you said, like, so you had all these different avenues uh, in your life. And my spider sense would tell me that you, you and I see the uh, same thing, that if this new venture didn't work, you would just figure out another venture to start for yourself. Is that fair to say?
1: Absolutely. It's, to me, it's all about survival. Um, it comes very naturally for me. I'd have, I have to say like, I've been working since I was 14 years old. Like as soon as I turned 14, I got my first job, went down, got my old work permit through school, you know, back then minimum wage was like four, 10 an hour or something yeah. like that, you know, and I could only work between certain hours. It was this whole ordeal. Um, but I, I point is, is that I've had a job from a very young age and I knew almost immediately that I didn't like working for other people. It just never resonated with me. Um, I was always miserable. Um, and by the time I was, I, I started tattooing when I was 19 and at that point I already had three or four jobs and none of them lasted very long because I would just get bored or just, you know, something deep inside of me just wanted out of there. It just didn't feel good. And once I started tattooing, I was working for myself, essentially. I mean, I was like a, um, independent contractor. So it was still, you know, it was enough where it felt like I was working for myself. I just never turned back from there. And I don't ever see myself working for anybody other than myself ever again.
0: It's hard, right? It's like, it's like I always say that if I'm going to work for someone crazy, it might as well be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Right? It just it yeah. just makes total sense. It's, you know, there's so much freedom. Um, and the good news is, I, th- I feel that with everything that's happening with COVID and lockdown, people are starting to get a different sense of, what stability really looks like and what control really looks like and i don't know about you but i'm starting to feel that this idea of a side hustle or the hustle is starting to be this new cool thing i call it life i just call it living you know when people are like oh i got a new side hustle it's like this new badge of honor
1: totally well i think there's all these new avenues now you know with the internet right i mean people can start these etsy businesses and uh um, like e-commerce stores and they have a, a there's a better, a bigger, um, um, I want to say market out there. Uh, not, I don't market's probably not the right word. And it's easier to get an audience with whatever you do and, you know, whether you're working through social media, et cetera, et cetera. So I just feel like there's more opportunity for that now and people starting to see that.
0: That's true. I mean, when I, when I tell people like, look, the age of the internet has kind of leveled the playing field. I talk to people all over the world, like it's just business as usual. So the access and the information, everyone is, you know, educating on how to do this, that, and whatnot. So the education is there and the access is there. Now it's just more about the will and desire to actually go out and do it.
1: Yeah, or even more so than will and desire is not allowing your own fears to stop you. And I feel like that's a bigger one with most people as they're too afraid. And talking about, uh, this whole COVID situation. Well, it's kind of forcing people in that situation. You know, yes. I always, I always tell people. You know, we. I feel like we all have these paths and talents and 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 things in this world that we're meant to do. And whether they're good or bad, whatever path you're taking. And if you don't figure it out for yourself, it's like the universe almost forces you into that <laughs> corner. Right? It's like you, how many times you keep walking into that wall or whatever else it might be. Um, a lot of people have to even hit rock bottom before they f- figure certain things out in their lives. And uh, this COVID thing has forced a lot of people um, into this position where they need to start being more creative or now they just don't have a job. So what do they have to lose versus maybe three years ago, they should just walked away from the job they hate and pursued, you know, their passion or whatever they
0: were into. That's kind of the way you see it. I I, I totally agree. I, I literally had a conversation with somebody right before this where I said, okay, if nothing changes then nothing changes. Like you still can't go to work. You still can't do anything. You don't know if you're going to have a job. So what do you have to lose anymore? And absolutely. Right. It's just this, you have everything to gain and nothing to lose because if nothing changes, if you don't do anything, then nothing changes. If you do something, the possibility for you to actually change your life for the better and control what you know, your lifestyle and your destiny gets that much higher. Hundred
1: percent, so. man. I, I fear, I think, is the biggest thing that plagues most. And as a trainer, um, working um, in the area that I work in, most of my clients are all Hillsborough, Atherton, you know, CEOs and own their own companies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They all have this same edge to them that they're just fearless. They were not afraid to fail. You know, these are all men and women that just went out there and made it happen. And if they failed, just picked up and kept going. And just aren't are afraid to, to pursue whatever they're passionate about or whatever they, whatever they believe in or wherever they feel like they'd be able to make a dime, you know? And uh, I, I see that time and time again in the most successful people out there. It's they're just fearless. How
0: about people who are still fearful, but still <laughs> do it anyways? <laughs>
1: Yeah. For those of you who can't see, Jeremy's raising his hand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm terrified, but I'm still going for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: I think, I think everybody, you know, I mean, for the most part, you know, you recognize that you're taking a risk of sorts, you know, whenever you're doing anything. Um, And I've been there several times in my life where, you know, I've walked away from, I mean, we can get into that if you want me to tell more of my story, but I've walked away from, from good, safe money. um, Just, because it just didn't serve me any longer. And I just didn't want to do it, you know, and I would much rather step into the fire, step off the cliff and pursue whatever I'm passionate about that time than be drowning in something I hate. And again, that goes back to like being 14 with that first job is there's that there was always that deep feeling inside of me when I like, this is not where I want to be. And that's happened over the years, even with my entrepreneurship and my own businesses. When I just, my night, the nightclub business was a big one. I mean, I walked away from that when I was, I was doing really well for myself when I walked away from it, but there was just something deep within me that was miserable. And that, that was enough to, that was enough to make me walk away from it. You know what I mean? Like I would rather be fearful and take a risk than be miserable.
0: Let's talk about that. So a little backstory. Yeah. Uh, Ryan is such a good friend of mine. I probably bug him more than he wants me to, in terms of a <laughs> weekly basis, my nutrition and um, and just life. You know, there was a time in my life where I was hitting really dark places, and here is this man who just I, I I'm I'm going to say it from my perspective just had understood so you, for, for me, I feel like you understood your life to where you knew how you wanted it to work, regardless of what anyone else thought. And for me, that was just probably the one thing I was like, God, I want that, you know, to be independent of the good opinion of other people and say, this is my life. And this is what I want to do. This is what I want to experience. And, I, I always saw that in you, like you were always yeah. this person who got that. And so I would bug you from time to time, which is more like every other day, asking you all these different questions. <laughs> you, know, you, were my, you, were my, you were my guru <laughs> un- un- you know, that, that I anointed you to be. And I, I do want to understand, I, I believe that we all start at some point. And you're talking about how you started at 14, and you just went through these, um, these experiences in life, yeah, to where that just kind of shaped your who you are today. And I believe, and I, I don't know if this is true or not. I actually I don't know your backstory to the to a degree, but yeah. um, when you talk about that, there was that pain, that struggle. There was just something that was so dissatisfied in you. I always believe that. That pain is what transforms us because I actually experienced it very, very recently. And then now I'm kind of in this new path, but that pain is usually the thing that gets us to reflect in and actually ask questions that we probably wouldn't ask if we're just sort of just coasting with life. So I kind of want to understand your path a little bit more to see how you got to where you are today as so young
1: too. All right. Well, I'll do the best I can to articulate Bring it. Bring it. I'm all yours. Um, I... Well, I I guess I would I would start by saying that um, I was raised by a single mother who worked a lot. Um, I didn't meet my father until I was 17 years old. Um, and as a child growing up, you know, I, I I came to realize much 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 later in my life that there were clear issues that I had my own issues surrounding all of that in my upbringing, um, being abandoned by my father and you know, I came to learn much, much later on, um, that my mother was an alcoholic and was extremely emotionally unavailable, I guess would be the best way to put it throughout my whole life. Um, not anything you recognize as a child, but that creates deeper issues. Um, and so I spent much of my life. So there's two parts to this. I spent much of my life looking outside of myself for, Happiness and fulfillment. I cared about what everybody thought about me and how could I be cool and fit in and be the center of attention. And, um, that, that was like one part of my journey that kind of drove me. And, um, I'll, I'll circle back to that. and It'll make a little more sense as we get to the nightlife stuff. Um, and then there was the other side of me that always, I, I look at it now as I always had a deeper intuition, um, and I always, I understood my intuition to an extent that I knew when things didn't make me happier, I didn't want to be there. Like I, I hated school, so I didn't do well. You know, I spent most of my high school at the Jack in the Box down the street, hanging out with my friends, um, you know, and I came to realize much later in life, that I wasn't dumb. It just didn't, it didn't draw me in. It didn't do anything for me at the time. It didn't resonate with me. So I didn't want to be there. There was nothing that kept me, you know, drawn to that. Um, and so I, that was always just something for me. It got my first jobs, realized, oh, I just don't want to be here. I don't like this. This, is, this just doesn't work for me. And part of me thought I was lazy. Like, God, do I just want to, like, hang out on the street all day? Does it because I'm irre- irresponsible? And, you know, like, that's kind of how I took it because that's what people – that's what you hear from the outside. Oh, you're not going to school. So you're a, you know, you're a knucklehead or you're a loser or you, you're not, you know, you're not wanting to go to work because you're lazy, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, a lot of that flowed through me at that time as well. So I had a hard time with all that, but I, again, there was a deeper part of me that just knew these things didn't resonate with me and it was enough to just kind of keep me moving away from it. Um, so I'll jump ahead a bit. I mean, I can go on and on about that, but um, where things really changed a lot for me is once I entered into the nightlife industry. I fell absolutely in love with it. There were so many things that I loved about it. Um, and I think it was the social aspect. It was, uh, you know, it was a great way to escape myself <laughs> and my own trauma and my own pain, just constantly being surrounded by other people and feeling important. And um, I always had a knack for, um, for communicating well and being charismatic and making friends. And so that worked to my advantage and I was able to work my way up in the industry in a very pretty short amount of time. And within a couple of years, I was uh, running operations and security for one of the biggest nightclubs in the Bay area, which was a uh, hotel Ibiza in Oakland at that time I'm dating myself with that. Uh, but we were doing four or 5,000 people a night. It was yeah. just, it was insane, man. Yeah. Like, like there's just no way that would be legal anymore. <laughs> like it just wouldn't happen. Right. Um, Uh, but that's really where I, I started recognizing, uh, the potential, um, to make money and be successful and live the life I wanted to at that time through throwing my own events as a promoter. I could just live the life. I could go out, I could rub elbows, I could drink, I could party. I wasn't tied down to one nightclub that I was working in. Uh, I could be the man, I like, look at me, look at my party, you know, just, it just, it fed into what I thought that I wanted for myself at that time. And uh, being that I was charismatic and um, had made a lot of connections and intuitively just kind of watched um, what made other promoters successful at what they did. as long as all the cool kids came to my party, et cetera, et cetera, um, I could do well. And, you know, Long story short, I just dove in headfirst and went all the way with it and had a lot of success. And before I knew it, I was doing, I think when I first started, I was doing maybe four parties a month just on Saturday nights and was making well over six figures a year just doing that. At this time, we were able to, do, to make that kind of money. This was like before Facebook and MySpace and all of that. And um, there weren't that many clubs in the city. There weren't that many promoters. So there's just a lot of money to be made. And of course that changed over time. Um, and then that built up. And next thing you know, I was doing just, you know eight parties a month and flying to Vegas three or four days out of the week and just living this crazy life. In the meantime of all of that though, I'm you know drinking myself into a stupor. I'm slowly just gaining more and more weight. Um, my whole identity got wrapped up into this party promoter life and it started affecting my mental health in a sense that and this is where i come back to kind of the childhood stuff where my whole identity became my events and the people around me and the attention i was getting and that's when things started to become unhealthy for me you know if i had an event that didn't do well or there weren't 500 people in line outside all of a sudden i started feeling less significant i started feeling like a failure Um it just it started to become and then I started drinking more, started using drugs more, and just kind of started going down this dark path with it all. Um and that's I, I don't I guess I'll just kind of leave that right there. Um I had a great time with it for a lot of years, <laughs> uh, and I learned a lot in that sense. But yeah, I, it just kind of took me to a dark place. And you know, to kind of come out of this part of the conversation and get to where I'm at now, I found Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and that's what saved my life. I started training Jiu-Jitsu and absolutely fell in love with that, and realized very quickly that um, if I wanted to make it to train, I had to stop partying, I had to stop drinking. And that led me to sobriety, stop drinking, stop partying, continue to do the nightlife thing. And that's when the awareness started to come to me. Right, And this is where this will all kind of come full circle. As you mentioned in the beginning, being able to look within yourself and your own pain and recognize kind of what your patterns are, what was happening. And that's where that transformation started to make, make this change for me as I started living this healthy lifestyle outside of nightclubs. Um, training jujitsu and, and, and making healthy choices for myself and, Um, started exercising and noticing my body change, my mental health change. And then yet I would go to the club on the weekend and be like, my God, like, what am I doing here? I was so lost in this. I built my total identity on this. These people aren't my friends. Like this is terrible, you know? And I, it just like this whole spiritual awakening basically happened throughout that time. And I wrote it out for another two or three years, like completely sober and just, as the years progressed, the money was still rolling in great, even better. I was, I was sober. I wasn't outblown at all. I was very aware of what I was doing, Um, but I was just miserable at my core. And that's, you know, that's, was basically the end of that.
0: It's, it's funny you talk about too. It's sort of like you were making six figures back when Ibiza was there. I, I know very well about Ibiza and it's like, that's when six figures actually meant a lot that was a lot of money back then. Oh, yeah, like, you know, everyone like six figures in the what, 90s was money. Yeah, I mean, to be <laughs> able to make over a
1: hundred grand a year just like throwing parties, I mean, all I did was go out and drink alcohol and use recreational drugs and like par- party for a living, you know what I mean? Like, that was it. Was the I thought I made it, like, that was it.
0: For me. <laughs> it's so funny, too, because. As a it, as I hear this story, I'm starting to see, like, again for everyone who's listening. This is the first time I've ever heard this. So like, as you're hearing it, I'm hearing it too for the first time. It's pretty awesome because, again, I go to you for, for guidance from time to time because you, you know, you talk about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu a lot, and, um you, I'm terrified of going. Like I just, I'm, like, I'm going to be real with it. I'm terrified. I've never gone. I really want to go, but I'm, I'm absolutely terrified. And, but there's, there's something to say that I've heard about the humility that it brings.
1: Yeah. You know, when you mentioned the beginning of this conversation, you had kind words to say about me being grounded and, and humble and all these other things. And I, you know, I really attribute that to training Brazilian Jitsu. There's, there's just something about tr- like real hand to hand combat with another human being and realizing how truly vulnerable we really are. And it's not, you know, what, what makes Brazilian jiu-jitsu different than any other martial art out there is that when we spar, it's, it's the grappling art. There's no striking. So it's, it's a, basically submission grappling. And we're able to spar full force. There's no restraint there. You know, you're not striking each other. And the other person, if they feel threatened or things hurt or their joint lock, choked, whatever it might be, they tap out. Right, so it's like before you die or before something breaks, you tap. Now, granted, the, your opponent, especially if they're more skilled, is going to know when that time is coming as well and show <laughs> some restraint. Uh, but point is, is you know, I walked into my first jiu jiu-jitsu class. I was, I was at that time I was like lifting weights, and you know, I mean, I was I was two hundred and forty pounds. You know, I was overweight, but I was also a bigger, stronger guy, and I had guys half my size and women that were even smaller than, than that, that were like, just choking me out, locking my wrist up. Like I realized in that moment that like, wow, I'm really vulnerable. And this is really sad. Like, I didn't know what to do. I I felt like I was like a lot of times people call the mats the shark tank. You know what I mean? Like you feel like you're being pulled in the ocean and you're being drowned. You know, you don't know what to do. You panic, your or flight's on, your mind's racing, you're tensed up because you're just, ah, you know, you you have no clue what's happening. It's terrifying in that sense. Um, And that is, it's extremely humbling. And the only way that you're ever able to continue it in that martial art is to be humble. Like if you have, we get a lot of guys that'll show up and just, we'll wipe the mats with them and they never come back because they just can't handle that. Their pride can't handle it. Their ego can't handle it. And at that point I was just like determined, like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. Like I'm going to learn this thing. And the deeper you get into it, uh, you know, just the more your ego starts to dissolve and eventually the tables start to turn and you start to, you start to win and things start to click. It takes a long time. I mean, uh, I trained a minimum of five times a week, but in in the height, I'd say more of an average of eight times a week, double days like that. I was training for almost ten years to get my black belt. I mean, that's that's all. It's a long, long, long process, and uh, you know, you just my ego just continue to dissolve. You start to really figure out and understand who you are when you're put into that position where you're basically playing this game of death. And if you don't tap, you would die like in a real life situation. And uh, you also learn to become comfortable being uncomfortable. You find yourself in positions where you can't breathe well, or you're being smashed, claustrophobic, uncomfortable, You know some sort of an arm lock, foot lock, something's coming and that starts to create this panic. You have to learn to be able to relax through that, ride through it. And it's just a metaphor for life. The more comfortable you become being uncomfortable, the more that things start to slow down when you're all of a sudden that fight or flight isn't there anymore. You're put into this situation where you're in a fight for your life potentially and things are just going slow and you're calm and you're focused and you're reacting. Once you can learn how to do that, everything else is easy in life, you know? And so that's really what I attribute to bring the person I am today. I guess is the best way I could
0: articulate that. Okay, I'll start. (laughs) (laughs) Sold fine. Once once COVID's done, I'll get I'll walk in and pace. I'm gonna kick my ass so I can learn (laughs) and suffer um
1: <laughs> yeah you learn a lot about yourself in that type. I mean you say they say you learn a lot about yourself in stressful situations or in hard situations yeah. for me it just I, my life wasn't necessarily easy and there was a lot of trauma and I you know I had some tough times growing up with my family situation but jujitsu is really what kind of brought it all out of me and got me it put me in a position to have that mindset to really start going
0: within it's funny, as you were talking, I remember the first time I did Bikram yoga. And I, I, I was I was in my 20s and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do Bikram yoga and it's gonna be awesome. And I go to, the, I, I go to one of the instructors and I said, how long will it take before I master this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> so I, I asked that question, I was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, as we laugh, we know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the guy had the best answer he said you know one of the top um yogis in the entire world who's been doing this for over 50 years or you know whatever the whatever it is yeah said, he said i he said i was diligently practicing 8 hours a day for 10 years straight and i could finally say that i felt confident to call myself an amateur yeah <laughs> I'm like, yeah. once I heard that, I'm like, fine. <laughs> I'm like, <Yeah>. and I, <laughs> but yeah. it's true. Very like, much once you so. have the skill, once you have the understanding, you just start. That is the 100%. beginning. <laughs> it's what we say in
1: jiu-jitsu. I mean, the black belt's just the beginning. I mean, there's I mean, my coach has been a black belt for I don't know, ten years longer than before I even started. You know what I mean? And so it's like I I still can go in and roll with that guy and feel like it was my first day. You know what I mean? So, yeah, the mastery, there's never a cap on that, you know?
0: And I think what you're talking about too, when you talk about uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and just all this whole theme, this is talking about mastery of self. Yeah. as we're seeing with lockdown and COVID people are not them, handling themselves very well no. there's this there's this illusion of you know I'm not saying the illusion I, I, I take that back there is this perception of racism and there is this perception of just like masks and restriction of uh, of rights and you know and then now we're talking about you know businesses failing and closing and we're talking about we're, we're talking about a lot of chaos and a lot of unknown. Yeah. I, I saw something that said where the CEO of Airbnb said we we spent 12 years to build something and it all got wiped out in six weeks mm-hmm. of COVID. It was just oh, yeah. it was just that simple, you know. And as life is now producing this whole new uncertainty, we are reacting accordingly. Some people are thriving in this. Oh yeah. Some people are just in a deer are deer in headlights. And like you're saying, as we are as we are um, introduced to these types of new stresses, which is now life and death right how are we like how we react is a clear definition of where we are at in life
1: hundred percent um you know it's i'm a on the spiritual path myself, so I, you know, I read a lot of Buddhist texts and Hindu texts, and a lot of that stuff resonates with me. And you know, one of the main themes in Buddhism is is that everything is always changing and evolving. Period. You know, and we suffer to what we attach to. Attachment is the root of suffering. And that attachment can go a lot of ways, whether it be to a specific lifestyle, a specific job, a specific belief, um, whatever narrative you live by. And you know that's what has become apparently more and more obvious to me, is we all live by a narrative. I mean, period. We, everything we believe about ourselves and what happens around us and how we respond to it is all based on a story that we've been telling ourselves from the time we were born. You know, I like to tell people this all the time. Like, think about if you were, if you were born in the house next door to you. Your name wouldn't be the same, your life wouldn't be the same, your beliefs about yourself wouldn't be the same. So what makes you so married to who you think or believe yourself to be? That's a narrative that you've created and has been dictated or, to you or has been molded by your experience and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So being able to understand that, at least for me, has helped me a lot through my life and accepting change and being open to change is being able to create space from your own narrative, your own identity, etc. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, it's interesting though, because, okay. So to the, you know, I, I do meditations. That's what, that's where I create my space. Yeah. You know uh, where, and, um, I, the, the person I talked to yesterday, he said, uh, there was a quote that said that, uh, the language of God is silence mm-hmm. and only in silence. Can we find
1: guidance,
0: 100%. truth, meaning, etc. And so I'll, I'll ask this question to you. So now that you have, now that I'm going to use, uh, Wayne Dyer calls it conscious contact. Mm-hmm. There's this conscious contact of self. Where, again, the slings and arrows of other people coming in and saying, you can, you cannot do this. You are this, you are that. And none of that phases you because you have defined for yourself who you are. How can the uninitiated, how can the non-Brazilian jiu-jitsu folk (laughs) (laughs) and otherwise, from a practical standpoint, because, again, I've asked you this as well personally and Mm -hmm. you've come and you come up with very practical ways to get in touch with that conscious contact to where to where people can say now it is possible yeah
1: yeah well (laughs) so what's so what is the question you're asking me is how are practical ways for people to to have this realization to get there to
0: to start so they hear this so they hear this podcast they 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 see people uh, they meet you in person. Let's right. start there. They mm-hmm. meet you in person, and they say, "Holy crap, how do I have what you have? this aura, this sense of self? Like I live in this world of the world, you know the United States is on fire right now. Everyone is so divisive, and you're either left, right up, down purple, orange, whatever the case, yeah. but it doesn't seem to phase you. How do I get that? And if I don't want to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I think
1: there are multiple How ways I to start. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think there's multiple ways to get there. You know, jujitsu is what got me there. Um, ultimately meditation is another thing that has really, really helped ground me and create the space. Like you mentioned before, um, what I Something that I think is really important in this context is that is two things. One is people. I don't want to need to learn. It's probably not the right way to say this, but should work towards listening to their own intuition, their own gut feelings, their own deeper sense of self and what feels good and what doesn't feel good to them. I think a lot of people are doing things that they don't want to do, or they ignore these feelings because they're afraid and they could be afraid of anything. They could be afraid of what people might think. They could be afraid of their own failure. Their own, you know, self worth kind of comes into all of this as well. But that's a whole nother conversation. So be first of all, becoming in tune with that deeper part of yourself and what um, serves you and what doesn't. Um, and that again, that comes with silence and realization, right? Being able to just stop and feel that. A lot of people, um, I don't want to say a lot. I say most of us inherently avoid ourselves. Why are we on our phones all day? Why are we on TV all day? Why do we drink? Why do we eat junk food, right? Anything to avoid those yucky feelings inside of us. Um, so there's that. Um, and then the other aspect of that is, and, and I think they tie together, is a lot of people just don't have solid boundaries for themselves. You know, for me, you know, where I've become in this in my life now, like I have solid boundaries, man. Like I don't work more than five hours a day. I'm sorry, but I'm not doing it. I don't care if I more money. Yeah. People tell me all the time, man, you could make double what you make now if you just took on more clients. I don't want to. Why? Because my quality of life is what's happy to me. That doesn't feel good to me. I take on that sixth client of the day and I'm like, I don't want to be here right now. So I don't do it. Um, and that, that whole boundary, um, setting boundaries around myself and my own happiness and what I want. I that's across the board in my entire life. I say no to things that don't feel good to me. And I say yes to the things that do. And it's that simple. And I, I think that that's a skill that has to be developed. That wasn't something I was always good at and it still scares me and it's still hard. Um, but the difference is now is I have awareness around it. So when I'm asked to, whether it's to do something or whatever it might be, I mean, you, you, it, it, that doesn't really matter. The point is, is that I can feel sometimes my initial reaction of fear or uncomfort being like, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to do that, but I probably should say yes or <laughs> vice versa, right? You know, like, I'm like, you know, okay, I want to people please or I don't, I don't want this person to be mad at me or whatever, right? So I think those are the two things that people really need to start with is set solid boundaries and just start listening to what, what feels good within you and do what's right for you. And not worry about anything else surrounding it.
0: Well, so let's go into that. Thank you for segueing into that because I mean the whole thing about this was parent and business and we gone on this whole spiritual path that yeah. you know I might I might switch the podcast, guys. i, mean, I might uh, declare that right now. <laughs> this is <laughs> oh I could go place. on and on and on
1: about that. <laughs> I'm trying to streamline it.
0: <laughs> um because I, I do know that you you talked about it, you work five hours a day. And that's your cap. That is your personal cap. Could you do more? Yes. Do you want to do more? No, because of your well-being. I actually just very recently went on a mini retreat and I created something very similar to what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. where it's like, what type of life do I want to design? Yeah. And it's funny because for me. I said, if I did it right, if I had in my way, I don't, I'm going to work up to this. But right now, if I had in my way, I would spend three hours of my day to work on myself so I can have four hours of productivity for work. Yeah. And then the rest of the time is with my family. Like that just seems outrageous, but I'm like, this is what I want like for better or for worse. And Mm -hmm. you were inspired because when you told me that, I'm like, but you could make, I didn't say it, but I'm like, you can make more money. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. I hear it all the time. Oh, you can
1: start this online platform and make, I don't want to do that. No, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I know I could if I wanted to, but anyways, go ahead.
0: So, okay. So let's, so, okay. The theme (laughs) is parents who start businesses or who have an interest or desire to do so. Right. Okay. I believe that parents have the number one skill set for business and it's problem solving. Hmm? It's problem solving. And guess what you do in business? You solve problems. Right. Right. And when COVID hits, you solve another problem. You just right. have to figure out a different way to do it. And right. so, you know, I think that the, I, I think one of the things that really does resonate with me is this idea of creating your own schedule and designing the life that you want. I'm going to presume, and I'm going to ask, but I'm going to presume that when you started out um, in the health industry, that that wasn't the case in terms of like, when you, when you came out of the health and, or when you, when you did what you had to do to start your business in the health industry mm-hmm. that you didn't, you may or may not, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop talking, but it's like, did <laughs> you start with this? I'm going to start my goal is to strive for this or am I going to start with anybody that'll take me and (laughs) then figure out how to narrow that down into this window of time?
1: Yeah, no, it, it, uh, it all just kind of happened organically. Um, I, so basically what happened was, is as I was on my journey of getting healthy myself, I quit drinking, I started eating healthy, started exercising, started researching nutrition. And I was very vocal on my, with my social media when I was doing that. And it got to a point where all of a sudden, like I would post, you know, something I had for lunch or that I lost 10 pounds or I don't know, whatever it might've been. And I get like this crazy reaction of people on, you know, at this time, Facebook, like was all the craze. There was no Instagram, you know, and I'd get like hundreds of likes and I'm like, my God, but then I'd post a party and nobody cared. Like, (laughs) okay, people are actually paying attention to what I'm doing here. You know, this is really interesting. And that was kind of a driver for me um, to kind of keep doing what I was doing and, and being vocal about it. Um, And then I I started getting messages from people that were like, oh, you're totally you're inspiring me or can you help me or I really want to quit drinking. How do you do it? Or I need to lose weight or I've got diabetes. Like I started getting all that. And it was like I was nowhere near qualified to deal with any of this at the time. Um, But it just started making me feel like, "Okay, this is my path. Uh, Maybe this is what I should be doing. It felt good. It resonated like I wanted to talk to these people, help these people, inspire these people, you name it. Um, And that's what led me to ultimately make the choice to go to school for nutrition. Um, I had no idea what I was going to do with it. Um, all I knew is that that's what I wanted to do. That's what my gut was telling me. That's what I was passionate about. Um, and I basically took my life savings. I took every penny I basically had and I paid for school in full. Like I didn't want any debt on it. I didn't want to make payments. Like I am committed, man. You take my money. (laughs) And, uh, I realized very shortly, i got about three months, four months into school. I realized I had no interest in being a clinical nutritionist. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want to do this. I'm not making meal plans and make, trying to like come up with a a way to make residual money on people for teaching them how to eat right. Like it just, that didn't feel good to me. And, uh, to make a long story short, I had the idea of, well, maybe a personal trainer would work out well. Like I like fitness and I like people that I could see making residual income on. And that's what led me, um, into the personal training career. Um, a couple of friends of mine over in Burlingame that own Burlingame fitness, uh, one particular, um, I, I, I reached out to him and he was like, you'd make a great trainer, man. He's like, buy the textbook, study for it, get certified. And he goes, it'll help you get a job at a big box gym. And what you do is you get the experience there, you build the clients. And then when you're ready, you take the clients and you go private. And you know, that's, that's basically how he had um, road mapped his career. And, and, and essentially most trainers out there had kind of done the same thing. Uh, and the private sector obviously is where the money's at and you, you kind of, you do everything yourself. Um, so anyways, I, I took his advice. I went through it all simultaneously while I was in school for nutrition. And then once I passed the, certif- the, the personal trainer test and was like, okay, I'm certified. I'm not going to go work at a big box gym. That's just not, <laughs> it's not for me. Like I've got the entrepreneur, entrepreneur mindset. I'm going to do this myself. And I decided to use my social media. I was like, hey, this is, this is people have been following me on this. People are rooting for me. These people have been watching my journey. They know what I'm up to. This is the way to go. And this is circling back to answer your question now is once I started using my social media to say, Hey, I'm doing personal training now, hit me up or whatever. It worked. I started getting clients, but it was like all over the place, man. You know, like I had one, so I had one girl, I live in Alameda. Okay. My first client, uh, shout out to Carissa. If she listens to this at all, she was my first client. I knew her from the nightclub scene. I was driving over the bridge into San Francisco paying toll. Okay. And driving all the way into the avenues to meet her at um what's the Stadium? Keysar Stadium. Yeah. At the Keysar Stadium for 35 bucks. <laughs> right. Like that was my first and I was doing that twice a week. And then, you know, I would like I had my next client would come along and be like, what can you afford? Oh, you can afford fifty dollars like twice a week. I'll take it. And now I'm like driving to the Oakland Hills for this person. And then, oh, you you can afford, you know. too. Cool. Where are you at? Oh, you're in Berkeley. So I was just driving all over the Bay area for whatever I could get. And you know, that was cool. I mean, that's, that's what's going to be kind of my point with all this is you got to grind it out a little bit. I was passionate about it. I knew that I had to, to just keep working towards pushing. It I was happy. I was much happier doing that. And so that kind of kept me moving forward. Uh, but what was the hardest thing for me at that time was that I would like maybe have a couple people I'd see in the morning and then I'd have someone at like five o'clock and then I'd have to re-engage. And I was like, okay, this is hard. I started not looking forward to that. And those were the little things that kind of helped mold me into recognizing more of what I, what I wanted and not wanting to do the things that didn't feel good to me because then I'd find myself working with that client and not wanting to be there. And that's not fair. It didn't feel good to me. I'm sure it didn't feel good to them. Um, and those types of clients, it never would really work out very long with, because probably felt they probably felt my energy surrounding it all, you know. Um, and then my buddy, Philip, the guy that I originally talked to uh, about becoming a trainer, offered me a job out at Burlingame Fitness. And again, here comes to like listening to your, your deeper self. You know, the, the, the first reaction within me was, I'm not good enough to work with these guys. I'm only this guy that's been driving around in a car for the last year, training people in parks and in their backyards. Um, and then what am I going to do going all the way across the bridge to Burlingame and there's traffic. And, you know, I told myself all of these stories as to why this was a bad idea. Um, but I also knew that this would probably be the best learning experience for me. I knew that these guys were making good money out there and so I decided to roll the dice, take the risk. I told every client that I was driving around to see, sorry guys, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to focus all my energy here. Right now. I could have still went to drive around and see people after that, but I knew that that I just didn't want to do that. That was too much for me. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build my business in this one place. And, uh, before I knew it, you know, things just started going really, really well for me. He, he gave me one client. I was driving out there twice a week for this client. That turned into two, three, four, five. And uh, really funny, about three months in, I told him, I said, you know what? I'm going to build a 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. schedule six days a week. And I'm only going to have to work five to six days a week, 25 to 30 hours a week, man. And I'm just going to be killing it. And he looked at me and he said, you know what, Ryan? He goes, that's the fantasy of every personal trainer in the world right there. Good luck, buddy. He kind of rolled his eyes at me, right? Because most of these guys will have two or three clients in the morning, and then they come back late morning, and then they're back in the afternoon, and they may have one in the evening. It's kind of this all day affair. I was like, no, nah, man, I'm going to condense it. I'm going to do it. Okay, you do that. <laughs> well, by, the, by the end of my first year, I had a 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. schedule, six days a week, locked solid. And that's because I set my boundaries around it. That's where I put my energy. And I got to a point where even when new clients would come along and it was a 2 p.m., a 3 p.m., 11 a.m., whatever, I just said, no, these are the hours that I worked and, or that I'm willing to work. And believe it or not, a lot of people, if they like you, if they resonate with you, if, if they, a lot of people have come, come, like been recommended by their family members or friends or whatever, they'll take the time to make their schedule work for you because by doing that, I created value around myself. This is what I charge. This is when I work. This is the open slot. It's you, it's take it or leave it. And nine times out of 10, people will see the value in that and it will work in your favor.
0: That's so awesome. That's uh, okay. So how do you get that and how do I give that to everybody who's listening?
1: (laughs) Well, I, you know, I think what's really, what it comes down to, and this is just my opinion, um, and this may get a little spiritual and hokey is, you know, the universe, the universe will always take care of us. If you think about where we're at right now, it's always worked out. It always will. And if you are brave enough to really search within and follow your gut and follow your heart and follow what feels good and walk away from what doesn't you'll be all right. I feel like, you know, the universe will guide you. You just have to listen to it and you have to have the guts
0: to pursue it. Now, what about... Because I hear this a lot that, you know, as I'm talking to parents specifically, it's always the... Well, My, I can't do that because I have x y and z with my kids or i can't do that because i uh, i need to work because i have to support my family sure. etc you know it, it, it becomes the reality is going to set in mm-hmm. where does the where can you detach from reality from the current reality versus the possible reality like well, yeah
1: yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a unique situation to each person because there may be some people that truly are in a position to where they just can't make that change at that time for whatever reason because they have a child. Like, I get that, you know. Um, but more often than not, you know, I, I would almost challenge anybody in that situation to really stop and think it through and, and, and ask themselves, am I really limited in this situation or am I just telling myself this story because I'm afraid? You know, at the end of the day, most of us have resources, whether it's family, friends, a life partner, whatever that can help us along the way. And I feel like, you know, I I mean, I look at my journey into where I'm at with my business now, you know, I had to grind it out and it wasn't ideal at first. And I spent a good couple of years getting to the place I want to be in. So it's not, I I don't, it's not going to be an easy path. I think for some, it'd be harder than others. Um, But if it's, again, if it's for your own happiness versus your own misery, um, I think it's worthwhile to really, um, you know, step back and take a good look at, you know, are you really in a situation where you can't, or are you just being fearful um, or just don't want to be inconvenienced, um, et cetera, you know? Um, And the other side of it too, is, you know, talking about this whole, um, you know, parents starting their own business and creating their own schedules. I mean, what better opportunity to be a better parent and role model in life if you are happy and content in your own business um, and you're not killing yourself for somebody else or in a job that you hate or being, you know, working 10, 12 hour days and commuting or whatever that may look like. You know, to be able to step into a situation where you can create your own business and set your own boundaries and be happy, man, I think every child in the world would benefit from a situation like that. Uh, and if you think back, I mean, just look at the evolution of human beings. I mean, how long have human beings really been showing up to an office and working in a cubicle? I and mean, that's just what, not the last a thing. Fifty man.
0: years before that, we're all entrepreneurs. <laughs> 100%.
1: Right. It's just it's sucking the life out of us, man. You know, I, I knew that within me. So, again, that's, that's, my, that's my take on that is, you know, it, we have to really ask ourselves some serious questions when we're saying, I can't.
0: I always, so it's funny you say that because the one thing that really drove me was this idea that if my kids adopted, all of the traits that I have, would I be happy with what they do? Mm. You know, once once you put it that way, it's like, (gasps) (laughs) because our kids watch us, you know, we are the, we are the number one example until the internet, until the friends, until everyone else, we are the first example. Sure. And so when I think that's what got me to, really decide that entrepreneurship was like, I actually created my first successful business after eight failed ones after my first son was born, yeah. you know, and it was just this, I have to figure it out. Like now, yeah. like, cause he's here and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dad. I'm a dad now. Yeah. So yeah, well, it
1: forces you into that situation Yeah, and again, adapt and overcome. And most of us always will somehow, some
0: way. If there's, and we either decide or we're put into a situation that we are forced to make the decision anyways.
1: Exactly. That's... I believe that 110%. I mean, how many people have we seen in our lives in in any circumstance, that's a potentially toxic situation for them. Or we're just like, God, they just keep walking into the same wall. Their <laughs> life just keeps getting harder until it's like, boom, like wake up dude. And you know what I mean? Until your, your hand is forced. And that brings me back to the point of where I feel if we can become if we can become in more touch with ourselves and what's really happening within us what feels what and right what feels right and what feels wrong you know we can start to make those decisions and move in the right direction way before it has to get harder before we hit rock bottom but before we feel like you know we're failing or have nothing you know we don't have to keep walking into the same wall
0: yeah hey, amen it's <laughs> I I said this, uh, I said this yesterday and I'm going to say it again. It's, I mean, it's so funny. I'm trying to talk about business, but we're talking about something that's so beyond business that it's just sort of a way of being. And yeah, th- there is uh uh Tony Robbins. I I've, I'm a huge subscriber to the guy. And he, he said something a long time ago that I never understood understood until like very recently. Because he said that business is a spiritual journey. I'm like, what does mm. that even mean? It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's money. It's about money and creating more revenue and being an entrepreneur and this and that. It's like, no, how you do anything is how you do everything. Like, spiritual, like spirituality is about growth and connection. And most times a business is a reflection and an extension of you. Oh yeah. How you create a business is a reflection of what you believe. Mm-hmm. And so how your business evolves is, is based on you. Oh yeah. I mean, if you're, if
1: people that just sit back coming, I mean, how many people have we known that are like, just come up with money-making schemes? Oh man, I could make a lot of money doing this. I'm going to start, this is what I'm going to start doing. And it just never works out. Right. Or maybe it kind of does and it crashes, you know, and there's that, or there's again, there's the more, you know, if you want to use the word spiritual path, um, doing what you're passionate about and what you love and what do they say? You know, do something you love. And you'll never work a day in your life. I mean, that, to me, that's real. You know, I didn't go into what I'm doing now because I thought I could make this much money. I followed that path because it resonated with me and it felt good. I enjoyed what I like. I truly deeply enjoyed what I was doing. And so even the grind of it for $35 in the beginning felt good. It felt better. <laughs> It felt better to drive to the our Stadium, pay toll, and you know, walk away with, I don't know, 20-something bucks after gas and bridge. It felt better to do that than to go sit in a nightclub for three hours and walk out of there with two thousand, three thousand dollars in my pocket. Like that it just felt better to me. And at the end of the day, it it's worked out really, really well for me. I never thought that I would be as comfortable as I am financially right now doing what I do but that's not why I do it it just it just worked out that way so I think ultimately what's really most important is you've got to be doing something that you love and you're passionate about
0: amen I okay I have to say this I'm I go to Kezar twice a week so I'm never gonna look at this I'm gonna gonna walk in every time and just laugh and think about you (laughs) it's like whoo he drew she drove from Alameda like 30 minutes driving around for parking (laughs) What am I doing? <laughs> Is that street cleaning? I don't... Oh, dang. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> now I think about it, it's like, what a nightmare. At the time, I was just so happy and free and just glad to be there. Glad to be on a new path, you know?
0: So to wrap things up because i i think that you and i can go on for a very very long time so this will probably number be number one of many features i'll just tell you that right now. i'm gonna book you ahead of time yeah for, for future dates because I, we could do this forever sure um if you were to i'm making this up right now because again i I, 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 deeply respect and admire you and really am inspired by you. Everyone, people have said it, I say it, but I, I really believe this, that when you find somebody who really did, does step out of the matrix for lack of a better term to find self to, yeah. find, you know, and to dictate life on your terms, you have ultimate freedom. Yeah. And unfortunately, I believe that seeing how life is right now, that freedom seems just like a distant fantasy between job situations, economic, political, economic climate, the divisiveness of race, everything. It just seems so far-fetched for, or it just seems so hard to attain when you're just starting out. And so I would pose the question to you. If I were coming to you brand new to this and and I'll say, look, Ryan, I need, I need some help. I, I am in dire straits right now. I know that I have to make a change. I just don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I'm lost. What can I, what is something that I can do right now? Yeah, I know that you're, you have, you're, you have three kids, you know, you've, you've designed the life or you've designed the life that you want and you're only 40 in your early forties. Like, what's that like? Can, how can I get started besides doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um,
1: you know, honestly, I, the, the number, the answer, the first thing that comes to my mind when you say that is... I would tell somebody you have to get in touch with yourself and who you truly are. And I mean that from a deeper spiritual and an inner deeper spiritual sense, not what your beliefs are, not your stories about yourself, but your true self, true, infinite conscious awareness. And that a lot of people might be listening to this go that either that resonates and they get it or they're like, Woo, this dude <laughs> out of his mind, which, you know, five years ago, I'd have been like, okay. Dude.
0: <laughs> anyway,
1: point being is you don't have to understand that, but that would be the first thing I would say. And what I would recommend, and I recommend to everybody is to start with a form of meditation. And that could be anything that there's many ways to do it. But the, the, uh, to me, the quickest way that we can become in touch with ourselves and start to create distance is through sitting and either focusing, on, focusing in on the breath, or focusing in on a mantra, and just getting a little bit of insight into how absolutely crazy and insane you truly are. The reality is is that once we can start to create distance from our brain, and our emotions and our thoughts, we can realize that we are mad and we have no control over this monkey mind of ours. And way too many of us are just identified with it, caught up in the rat race of it. And just the, the wheel just spins and it never stops. And so that that would be what I would suggest, meditation. Even if it starts with two minutes a day, sit down and focus on your breath for two minutes. I get a lot of people that tell me, well, I can't meditate, my brain doesn't stop. Well, meditation isn't stopping the brain. Right. We've got this amazing brain, you know, life, that's what makes us so special as humans. We don't wanna turn it off. <laughs> it's learning to control it and learning to understand, and, understand it and create distance from it. And so I I tell people when you sit and you start to focus in on your breath and you have a thought, it's going to happen within 15 seconds. You're going to start breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth. Your thoughts going to come and you're going, ah, but that right there, that's the work in the same way you would exercise your body. the same way that we learn and train ourselves to do anything, we're training our brain with meditation. So once that thought comes, recognizing that you had that thought and focusing right back into the breath, that is the work. The only thing is, is it's something that has to be done daily. It's not something that can just, you can't just do it once in a while. You can't just do it when things are getting harder, when you're motivated, you got to do it every single
0: day. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Every single day. Let me, okay. So let me, let me pose this in a different way. Sure. And let me get your feedback as well, because I, everything that you've said, I subscribe to. But I'm just thinking about the average human being who doesn't, who has not had conscious contact with meditation or who has tried and said, I can't do it and all that other stuff, right? Sure. So we talk about um, getting to know ourselves. And I loved how you said, it's not what you think about yourself, but it's actually the real self. And again, I, I, I understand this now because I feel like I've gotten a taste of that mm-hmm. to the point where when you sit with yourself and it's always in that in that heart area, it's not your physical heart beating. It's not that organ, but it's like that center where you could feel it's like that gut intuition where it just feels spacious, where you, that's why breathing really helps, because when you focus on breath, it focuses on nothing. You know, it, it focuses on the nothingness. It's the space between matter. Right. And when you get in touch with that, there's just the sense of ease. Oh, yeah. There's just this sense of non-suffering. When usually oh, yeah. when we think about our breath, when we focus like, oh, I didn't th- oh, I thought about our breath. Oh, I-, I-, I screwed up. That's suffering. When we think about our body and we start feeling the aches and pains, that's suffering. But right. there is this source within us where once we get there, there's like, there's no suffering and it's quiet and yet it's not. And when you tap into that, that's self that. And when you do your daily, that's actually how I started. I'm going to share a quick story that, yeah. I was in a very very dark place. You got I asked you like I was blowing up your phone for a while because I was in a super dark place and the one of my uh one of my mentors got me out of this by doing 5 minutes of meditation daily. And yeah. she basically said A minimum. I was doing like 10 minutes at a time, this and that, but she had me do six. It was called Morning Miracles. It was a book that was written. I don't, I've never read it, but it was six things that you do in the morning. Mm -hmm. One of them was meditation. And she said, Jeremy, I want you to do a minimum of five minutes a day. That's it. But you have to do it for 365 days straight. No matter what. I don't care if right before you sleep, you do it. Ideally, you want to do it in the morning. Right when you wake up, five minutes—that's all I ask. But you have to do it daily. Yeah. And now I think I'm on day one hundred and fifty-three or one hundred and fifty-four, so I'm about five months in. Nice work, man, dude! It's like, oh my god, I love life. It's like I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to talk to Ryan in a second, and we're just going to make this up and have fun with this. Yeah, like from going from a very dark space to the consistency, uh, consistency of every day, knowing and predicting, controlling what I want to experience Mm -hmm. versus letting the world dictate what I get to experience and be in reaction to it. So going back to it, that five minutes a a day gets you to know yourself a little bit better. You're dating yourself to a degree to where you actually get to find yourself. Is that, am I hitting Would you, would you add anything or clarify or to that, to that idea?
1: I think, I, you know, I think the experience can change across the board, you know, different people experience different things. Um, but yeah, it's, the reality is it's, it's learning to create space from your own thoughts and your own emotions that plague you. I mean, the reality is, is like I said much earlier in this podcast is we all live by this narrative, and we don't have control over our minds. And I think it's Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you're familiar with him. His books are pretty amazing. Um, I'll just leave that there. But he's brain science here is that 95% of our thoughts we've had the day before and the day before and the day before. Most of <laughs> runs through our brain. We just have no control over it and people get just wrapped up and how many people don't sleep at night because they just can't stop thinking how many people do we see on social media right now that are just so overly identified with what they believe or what's happening or get caught up in this fear or this story and i'm going to shame you cuz you don't wear a mask or i'm going to shame you because you do and i believe this and i believe i mean it's just this this engine that just doesn't stop and then people get triggered and this emotional charges run through their body. And then there's a story that goes to that. This is why I'm anxious. And this is what you did to me. And this is what they did to me. And this is why I can't. And it's just this endless unconscious existence. And I feel like just that five minutes alone, you, you probably notice things just changing. Like every day it gets easier and you probably have a deeper, more profound experience You know, um, for me, the most profound experience that came through meditation was when I finally just had this deep intuitive realization that all of this, it's all BS. It's all made up by, by humans, all of it, what we call this and what we call that. And the way we do this and the way we do that, none of that's real. These are just the stories and the script of humanity that we've created and it just made me laugh out loud to realize just how ridiculous all of it was. Um, and understanding that, you know, understanding being, being, understanding that I am the conscious awareness that is aware of these thoughts and that's experiencing these thoughts and experiencing this life just all of a sudden made everything so much easier. That, that's my experience.
0: That, that reminds me, you talk about that. It's, One of the benefits that I've experienced is that when you do a meditation and then you're bombarded with all the stimulus of the outside world, you did this, you do that, all the negativity, et cetera, and stories, you'll begin to see that you'll start getting, creating a gap Mm -hmm. in between stimulus and your response to it. And in between that gap, you actually have choice. Similar to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, in the beginning, it's automatic fight flight. But as soon uh, after a certain point with familiarity and with the calming of the mind, you'll start to notice things a little bit more. The elbows at a certain place, they're about to do this, they're trying to do that. And with that understanding comes a new way of thinking and approaching
1: yeah, you you train the body through muscle memory to react. Yeah. So you eventually start to just react and defend and come from this very calm controlled place because you've trained yourself to do so. It's meditation is the same thing. If I could make it break it down in the most layman terms out there, you're yes. training your brain. It's exercise for your brain. Right now, if I tell somebody who's never done it to sit quietly for five minutes and every time they breathe in, count the number one. And every time they breathe out, count the number two. Within 30 seconds, they're going to feel like they're being tortured. <laughs> you're going to forget where you're counting. You're going to have a thought. Next thing you know, you're thinking about dinner and you're just like, ah. And again, that is the insight into your own insanity. We are insane. Our thoughts don't stop. We have no control over them. Like, think about that. If we were to see somebody walk down the street talking to themselves out loud, sporadically, we'd go, that person's nuts. Well, you do it to yourself all day long. There's a voice in your head (laughs) that keeps going. That's insanity. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But once we can learn to control that and create some space from that, we can find peace. And so meditation is exercise for the brain. And why I think this is important, coming all the way back to your original question, is once we can create that space, and we can quiet some of that down, right? You'll get to a point where you can just not, I mean, I can sit and thoughtless for five, 10, 15 minutes at a time now in my backyard and just not think about, not even judge anything. I'm not going, oh, that's a pretty purple flower. I'm just observing it, right? When you can get to that point, you can really, really, really start to understand yourself and what you're feeling at a deeper, deeper level. And so now in my life, when things happen, in any way, whether it's upsetting to me or somebody says something I don't like, or maybe I'm triggered in any way, shape or form. I've created so much space from it that I can go, oh, okay, there's that feeling again. And that's where that's coming from. And I have enough space from it to consciously recognize it, understand that it's there and why it's there, and then react in such a way um, that most would say, wow, that was pretty Zen of you, you know, where it's just a space. And for somebody coming to me and saying, my life is crazy and I want a new start and I want this and I want that, but I just can't seem to get out of this rat race. Well, you're clearly not in touch with yourself and your deeper intuition and what you truly want. And if we can quiet all that down, or if you can quiet all that down and really get in touch with yourself, your own intuition
0: will lead you in the right direction. Mm. That was awesome. Okay, I'm gonna end there. I don't know how to end these things. So, thank you so much, Mr. Ryan, for everything. I am now gonna walk on water because I'm just a little bit more <laughs> enlightened today than I was an hour ago. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. It was uh, fun. This was great. Um, thank you again. Anybody who has any questions, oh, let's actually do a quick shout out. So, how do how does any so everyone's inspired by this? They want to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They want to learn from you specifically. How do they find you?
1: Uh, my email address would be the best way. It's nutritionwithryan at gmail.com. Nice Good and easy. Cool. All spelled out. Yep.
0: Okay. And um, Instagrams or any promotions or anything you want to uh, shout out before we get off?
1: No, my Instagram is ryanmeyer.fitness. It's r-y-a-n-m-e-y-e-r.fitness. If you want to look me up, nothing too exciting going on over there. Other <laughs> than my, my garden and my dogs and my personal life, but that's another way to find me or contact
0: me. And then another plug-in. Sometimes I do photo shoots with them too. That. Cool. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: that is true.
0: <laughs> right on. Okay, we're logging off. Thank you again, and everyone, enjoy your day.